ladies, welcome back to another episode of Journey of a Fearless Female. I'm your host, Paola Rosser, and this week, my guest is Deborah. She's an executive and business coach. She has over 30 years of global experience in Fortune 500 companies in Canada, the US, Europe, Asia, and Australia. She's a leading coach for C-suite leaders, executive professionals, teams, and businesses. She leads them to success. Deborah's expertise includes leadership development, change management, human resources, onboarding, diversity, and inclusion practices, assessing and integrating high-performance teamwork. Deborah has started and has been the CEO of her company for over 30 years and knows how to get to the top, hold the senior position, and balance career and family. In her coaching practice, she provides the tools, strategies, programs, and support to help create meaningful change in their lives. She prides herself on leading a heart-centered, as a heart-centered leader. Everybody, please welcome Deborah. Thanks so much for having me. Delighted to be here. Yay. Okay. So Deborah, tell us about your fearless journey. Oh my gosh. I love this. I love that you are, you're bringing me back to the beginning, which was so many years ago. The best place to start is probably September 13th, 1987. Mm, you know, the that date is a, exactly. <laughs> well, it is. I, I was 21 years old mm-hmm. and uh, it's the day I lost my dad. Oh, I was uh, in my second year of university and my dad was very sick and I had been caregiving for him for a year. And it was really a pivotal moment because I was the tender age of 21. My dad was 54, which Mm -hmm. I turned last year, by the way. And to me, he seemed like he was old because he was 54. (laughs) But what a day that I grew up, let me tell you, being a caregiver as a young child, to me, 21 years old is still a formidable year. Yeah. I mean, I'm entering into adulthood. And so, you know, gracious that I had him for the first 21 years, but so many things happen after you turn 21. And I was dealing with a mother who was an alcoholic. Mm. She had mental health, all the things that they didn't have terms for back then, and was extremely codependent. So yeah. saying that I grew up quickly in 1987 is is a complete understatement. But that is where my my journey began. Mm. I landed up getting a job and 3 years later opened my company and I named it after my dad and I've been an entrepreneur since that time. So the end of May of this year will be 31 years in business. Wow, that's incredible. I just actually celebrated the 15th anniversary of my father's passing two days ago. And it's, it is a transformational experience in anyone's life who, especially if you were close to your parent that passed, it really is like one of those moments that changes you forever. Well, it does. And there's so many special life moments, like getting engaged and getting married and not having your dad to walk you down the aisle and and having your children. So, you know, yeah. another pivotal moment in my journey was when I when I married the love of my life who I'm still with. We call each other record breakers every year. <laughs> He's my best friend and his father was so beautiful to me. And when I married, I realized I got another mom and I got another dad. And so when we lost him eight years ago, Mm. 
It was almost a trigger memory, and I'm going to call it a tsunami of grief and sadness because I cried harder at my father-in-law's funeral, and I really sat and, 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 and really leaned into the emotion and the feelings, and I thought, what's going on here? And I realized that I had my father-in-law in my life longer than I had my own dad. Mm. And it was just, it was one of those aha moments, but I leaned in and I had the, the big, the big ugly cry and it felt good. And I just, it, it gave me time to reflect on the presence that my dad and my father-in-law gave me in my life. And they both taught me different things. So I had my father-in-law for kind of part two and it was such a blessing to have him till, you know, he was almost 90 years old when he passed, but he lived a life of richness. Yeah. And taught me things that my dad didn't. So I kind of feel like I won the lottery in the in the father department. And, <laughs> and even though I didn't have a dad for three years, when I started dating my husband and then we got married, I needed that time to grow and I needed that time to grieve and I needed that time to heal. Yeah. And your dad probably brought your husband to you. I think so. I've had that talk with many, many people. I have a dear friend who is a psychic and she actually works for uh, law enforcement. She's she's one of those gifted individuals who helps on missing people and homicides. And she said that to me. She said, I think your, your dad kind of lined him up. They're a lot alike. They have a lot of similarities and uh, he's a great dad. So oh. uh, I think you might be right there. <laughs> well, how did you get into what you do now? Like, I mean, what was your first, you started your business after your dad passed away? I did. I was all self-taught in computers and it was way back when, I'm going to date myself here, before Windows, we used to use DOS and Unix as operating systems. Mm -hmm. And I had a friend and he taught me and I landed up actually teaching at our local college. Well, then Windows came on the scene. So I wrote a Windows manual and I put an ad in the local newspaper and I had two dozen people come and sit in the lab and use my book. And it was how to navigate Windows because it was so new. Like we didn't yeah. just have the keyboard now. We had this mouse. Like what's going on? And I had wanted to go to school to be an occupational therapist. So I had to withdraw, got the job, landed up teaching at the local college. And when Windows came in, a lot of occupational therapists and speech language pathologists couldn't get augmentative and communicative devices to work on the Windows platform. Mm. Well, that's like putting a kid in a candy store because I was able to solve that problem. So I had started my company, I was teaching, then I started doing the consulting and I was working with the population of people that I wanted to and it just grew. And then I went back to school and finished my, my degree in disability management and I landed up looking after the sick, the injured, the broken, the traumatized, specialized in neurotrauma. So a lot of spinal cord injury, strokes, anything to do with the brain. Yeah. And then I hit the intersection of making a decision. I had five executives, three vice presidents, and two CEOs who were off on short-term disability claims mm. because of stress and working in a toxic environment. And that progressed to a long-term disability claim. And they all went palliative and landed up in hospice. Wow. So I landed up holding all of their hands and chatting. 
And it's funny because a lot of people say my name like it's one word. Like I'm never Deborah. I'm never Deb. It's always Deb Crow. And sometimes it's used like a verb. (laughs) (laughs) So as I'm having the honor and privilege of talking them at the end of life and holding their hand, they're like, you need to Deb Crow this. You need to fix this. You've Mm. been on the other side of the claims. And I thought, you're right. So like any entrepreneur, I'm a vivid visionary. I didn't know what I was going to do, but I knew I was going to do it. So I promised them all that I'd Deb Crow it. I took a year off after I closed my practice because I was running at a level of hypervigilance like you'd see a first responder. Like it was go, go, go for 21 years of my life. And I just needed time to breathe, to think, to reflect. What was that actual Deb Crow thing I was going to do? Mm. I realized I was in a generalist space and I need to get on the other side of the curve and become a preventionist. So I became an executive coach because I wanted to coach the five people. I wanted to be in that population. I wanted executives to rise to the top with their health, not work-life balance, work-life integration. I didn't want them to have failed marriages. I didn't want them to get sick. And I wanted to be able to put tools in their arsenal, their toolkit that they could pull out and utilize so they wouldn't end up like the five who I feel I honor every day in the work that Mm. I do. And that was 11 years ago. Wow. There's so much to talk about. I mean, I talk about this all the time because I was in corporate America for so long. And I think it's like this, you know, thing that unspoken truth that no one really wants to dig into. And the fact that is that we do work ourselves to the ground for a company. You know, we don't have work-life balance. It's all about like trying to get to the top of the corporate ladder and impress the executives and get that salary. And you want all of those dreams that were sold to us, you know, or in the beginning when you're like going to college, it's like, if you get this job and then you're going to have your dream life. But in reality, I remember like hating every moment of being in corporate America. It felt so, I mean, I was having anxiety attacks. I was having, you know, my eye was twitching. I, I had so much stress at night. Like I was checking emails until 10, 11 o'clock at night. And I was like, what? And I wasn't even a C-suite leader. I wasn't even an executive professional, you know? And I I remember one time I was talking to um, the owner of one of the companies I worked for. And I'm like, how do you do it? Like, how do you sleep at night? Like, how do you not worry every single day that someone is like, you know, dropping, dropping the ball and not getting their assignments done or, or calling the vendor or making sure that things are getting paid? Like, how do you go through those things? And, and I, it's sad to hear that there are, there were, or I don't even know if there still are, um, because I think it's a different type of environment now. I'm, I'm not sure. I haven't been in corporate for a couple of years, but I mean, do they have the same issues like rampant now where people, the high level or even mid-level um, executives are just so stressed out? Sadly enough. Yes. Mm. You know, it comes down to the cliche that everything comes with a price. And we only have one body. And if we don't look after our mind, body, and soul, because I'm also a yoga teacher, your body gives you hints and small messages. And if you're not in tune and listening, you can't hear if you're not listening and you can't see if you're not looking. And people get succumbed with success and stature and materialistic things and extrinsic thinking. And it's a really unhealthy space to be because it costs them a lot. And 
in the sense of those five executives that I had the pleasure to navigate and be with till end of life, I just couldn't do that anymore. I couldn't lose another person. So for me to switch my practice from disability management and rehabilitation to a preventionist and being a coach to ensure if they are there, we turn it around. But really, I like being on the other coin where they want to get there or they are there, but let's do it right. Let's do it with integration and purpose and the right belief system. And when you ask most people what they want, most people don't know what they want. Yeah. Oh, I know that for sure. (laughs) So, I mean, we have to start there. Like life isn't about money and things. That isn't what I talked about with those five people at the end of their life. This episode is sponsored by CoachSnap. Are you looking for an all-in-one platform to help you build your coaching business? Then you need CoachSnap. It allows you to schedule appointments, collect payments, train and support all of your clients' needs. Health, fitness, hockey, football, or even life coaches can use CoachSnap. It's the business platform that will help you be the best coach you can be. That's definitely one thing I learned from my father when he died was um, right before he died, before he was gone, he was talking to me about money and he was like, you know, I worked my whole entire life for the mighty dollar and I'm dying with $20 in my wallet. And he's like, and I never even got to see anything. I never got to spend time with my family. I never got to travel. I never got to do anything because he was at work all the time. And it's, it's something that like, I love that made me really think like, you can't take any of it with you, nothing, not the house, not the car, not the shoes, not the clothes, you can't take any of it with you. So why not like do something that you love? I mean, it took me a long time to figure it out years after my dad passed away. But I mean, I now preach that all the time, because I look back as 2020 is always like, you know, really good view of what you were supposed to do. But I look back, my body was telling me, you know, because I remember going to the doctors and saying, why do I have a twitch in my eye? Like, I can't get rid of it. I don't know what to do. And he's like, you're stressed out. And I'm like, what do you mean I'm stressed out? Because you're just so used to going 100 miles an hour in corporate America. I was a property manager of 10 commercial buildings. And every single day, there was something going on in every single building. And I was used to that fast pace. You know, and I remember in 2008, I lost my job because of the economy. And I, my friend was like, hey, we're on fun employment, come to the beach, let's hang out. And as I'm sitting there on the beach, I could not even relax, because I didn't even know how to relax, that I, I couldn't enjoy the beach, I couldn't just sit there and enjoy the beach at all. It's, it's a reflective time, isn't it? Mm hmm. It's, it's those little I call them nuggets of wisdom. If if you open your eyes, they're there. If you open your ears, you can hear them. And and sometimes the sweet spot is when we allow ourselves to be and just listen. Silence is our superpower. I love that. I love that. I spent so many years being in silence and just waiting for the answer and meditating and asking God questions and I mean, he finally, I, he finally answered, but I, now I look back and I'm like, he was answering me the whole entire time. I just wasn't mm-hmm. paying attention. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wasn't paying attention, you know? And I think when you are going a hundred miles an hour and it doesn't have to be corporate America, it could be whatever. It could be you're a mom of five kids, you know, and you're just going, uh, you know, it's just a hectic day and you're just busy. You know, if you don't take time for yourself and like she said, sit in silence, which is golden. That's when you get the most 
out of what you're supposed to do next. I love that. If we can sit and really bask in our journey, I I would love for all of your listeners today to just step into their greatness. And women always say, what do you mean by that? Everybody listening to this call, you, me, we're all leaders. Leadership isn't about one specific element. Every person listening to your podcast brings their own uniqueness to whatever they do. So it's like thinking about the janitor and the CEO. Mm -hmm. We treat them the same. So it's not their title. It's not their role. It's not their job responsibilities on a piece of paper that makes them great. It's the sum of their life, their upbringing, their parents' influence, their academic experience, their work experience, all of that combined gives them the ability to be a great leader. Because mm-hmm. people get so, they get so misconstrued thinking that you have to have all sorts of letters after your name to be a leader. Yeah. I've met people that have a grade six education mm-hmm. who have soft skills that are limitless, enjoyable, and I've had some of the most thought-provoking conversations And then on the other end of the spectrum, I've spoken to many people that are well-educated who don't have the soft skills. So I just want people to know that they don't have to have stature to lead. Mm. And when we lead with our heart and we're a servant leader, I don't think anything, anything can get better than living a life with purpose and serving others, especially with the climate we have going on right now in our world. I love that. That resonates so much with me because I used to be so worried about what was the title on my business card. And when I got laid off, I was like, it doesn't even matter. (laughs) Like none of this matters. You know, when you think about, especially when you've experienced death, you just, you realize that like none of that matters. Like you said, all of the accolades, all of the awards, all of the letters after your name or the title on your business card, it doesn't matter. So as long as you're leading with your heart and you're in complete alignment with your soul and your soul's purpose and the way you can find your soul's purpose is what she said earlier is just to sit in silence and be and yeah. listen to the whispers of the world and the nu- the nuggets of wisdom that are hidden. As long as you're allowing yourself the space to hear them, you will actually hear them. But if you're just going 100 miles an hour and not really slowing down, I think 2020, I always, people complain that 2020 was just like, oh my gosh, it was so horrible. But it was like what we needed as a society to slow down and to really like take a moment and like be home with your wife and your kids and, you know, be home and like enjoy your house. I know some people, I, I love Tony Robbins. I go to all of his events and he made this one speech about how he was working really, really hard. He had this beautiful house in uh, San Diego. It was like a mansion. It had like 11 rooms. I don't remember, but he was like, it was this huge, beautiful house. And and one day I called my cleaning lady and, and she was like, I just love the new treadmill you put in the, I've been running, I've been watching Oprah and oh and I I I watched the sunrise in the morning he goes wait a minute (laughs) she's enjoying my cleaning lady is enjoying my house more than I am because I'm working too much introspective right right (laughs) when you asked about you know going back in the journey let's challenge your listeners today to make a list and and go back to where did you start from So we could even have some fun with this. So if I go back and think about my journey, where did I start working? I was a a student. We start kindergarten. 
Then I was a babysitter. Then I was a waitress. Then I was a bartender. Then I was a caregiver. Then I was a student again. I did some admin work. I was a secretary. I was a nanny. I was a college instructor. I was a technical assistant, then an entrepreneur, then a project manager, disability case manager, vocational professional, speaker, author, executive coach. I'm sitting here in my mind as you brought me back to think about make a list Mm -hmm. because that's your leadership journey. And think about every transferable skill that you packed up and brought to that next level of your journey. Mm. And then getting to where we are today, I think it's a fun exercise to do. Yeah. And the goal is you see success. And then I don't call failure failure. I call it fail forwards Yeah, because that's what builds resilience. When you fall, I don't care if it takes you longer to get back up, get back up. My favorite quote from Maya Angelou, still I rise. Resilience isn't given, right? It's granted. It's earned. So, you know, you've been in business, you said 14 or 15 years, you have to keep moving. You have to keep trying. You have to dig deep. You have to embrace grit and tenacity and build that resilience muscle. Because if you don't believe in who you are, nobody else is going to. Yeah. They're too busy trying to figure out their own journey, right? Well, and imposter syndrome, we all have it, but you know what? Shrug your shoulders, put them back, hold your head up high and just be confident. Yes. I love Michelle Obama said, you know, I would sit at the tables and think that these people knew more than me and realize that they didn't, you know, and that's the thing. We are so caught up in titles and people's business card names. and, And we think, oh my gosh, I can't even talk to them. And he's the CEO. He's the founder. I remember one company somebody told me, don't look at him in the eye. And I'm like, why is he going to burn me? Like, He's just the CEO. He's just a person. We're all people. We're all humans, you know, and it, just because they have a title or a position or money or power, it's, we're still the same. We still have the same capabilities. We still have the same power within us. You just have to ignite your own. And they did, right? 100%. I love that. And you know, another big thing that I think women need to hear Stop trying to be perfect. Mm, It's never going to be a tangible reality. And how about embracing all of your imperfections? We all have them. And, you know, I'm a fellow podcaster like you. That's the name of my podcast, Imperfect. And I love it. I love that it's imperfect. I love when dogs are barking and the doorbell goes and somebody's cell phone rings. (laughs) We're in a time of remote working where things will happen out of our control. Mm -hmm. And what's the best way to handle it? Laughter. Yeah. What else can we do? Yeah. That's definitely what 2020 should have taught us is that like it's completely out of our control and you just need to laugh in the moment and and just enjoy life. Life is meant to be enjoyed, not go 100 miles an hour and well, not smell the roses, right? <laughs> finding what feels good for you. I personally love 2020. I get the funniest looks when people say that to me. I'm an introvert. I love working at home. I've worked at home for 11 years. Do I miss networking events? Sure. Do I miss going to restaurants? Absolutely. Do I miss dinners with girlfriends and my husband and whatever? Of course I do. What do I not have anymore? A to-do list. (laughs) What projects do I want to get to when I have time? They're all done. 
So 2020 was like, I have all this time because I'm not traveling. Start a podcast, create an online course. Let's get the to-do list done. How about we have a new cognitive address and we live in the now? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, great advice. So Deborah, as we wrap up this episode, what would you say is your nugget of wisdom to the women who are listening today? My nugget of wisdom is to choose clarity over chaos because that's the sweet spot. Perfect. How can my audience find you? My website is Deb Crow and Crow has an E on the end, dot com. And you have a book, right? I have a collective book that I've been in, and I'm working on my first solo book this year, actually. Oh, nice. And your course online, what is what is it called? I have two. One is called Shift, and it's an eight-module self-pace as you go to help with habits of thinking. And my other one is How to Master Self-Care, because I was having women's self-care conferences and COVID put a halt on that. Mm. And women were sad. So what did we do? We transitioned and pivoted and put it online. Yes. So look out for her courses and her links would be in the show notes. Thank you again for listening to Journey of a Fearless Female. I'm your host, Paola Rosser. If you love this episode, make sure to share it with your friends. You can find me on the internet at fearlessfemale.com, on Facebook, The Fearless Female Movement, on Instagram at Fearless Female Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. And ladies, remember, we have the power to rise and face everything. Until next week, goodbye. Goodbye.